All right. That was great. We had such a cool time. Of We started out this morning um, praying and, and just, this is a plug for the prayer meeting. Anyone's invited. Um, and that, that really just, um, I think it was one of the first things that we prayed. Hey, Phil, you can testify. That the unexpected, you know, like we were talking, Phil was just talking about um, Anita going off into a new city and like all these incredible possibilities. And we kind of had that sense of like, man, and every day with the Father can be like that. Who knows what can happen? And so it's so cool. And, and again, love to see you along. It's quarter past nine. Um, hey, that's when we meet, eh? quarter past nine till just quarter to ten, half an hour. Um, would love it. But yeah, so encouraging. Thank you, everyone who shared. Um, thank you for your vulnerability. Thank you for your honesty. And, and just know that um, that is the way forward. Do you know that's the call of, of God on each of our lives is to live authentically about who we are, about who God is, and about where he's brought us. And you will never go wrong, you know, like, like more of it. So if you have a Bible or, or a device with a Bible on it, we're, gonna, we're continuing on in our Philippians series. Um, I should probably go to the right notes. It would help. And, and we're going to be in Philippians 3 and, and go from verses 12 to 16. I wanted to start, so it's, um, this is Paul writing to the Philippian church, but I wanted to actually pick up, which was kind of cool, last week, if you, if you weren't here, Craig um, spoke, um, did a, a wonderful job, and I don't even think Craig knew, but the week before when Colin was here, Colin's scripture um, that he used for our Easter message was from Philippians 3.10. Um, so I just wanted to pick up from there, just to sort of carry on, because it leads right on from that. Is, and this is Paul writing again, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that, um, that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that so that one may one way or another, I will experience the resurrection. I will experience resurrection from the dead. And Colin sort of spoke, if you remember, on Easter about about Paul. That word "knowing" is is more than a theological term. It was it was an invitation and desire to know to experience. Um, the resurrection or, or the resurrection life. And so this is going to pick up straight through from here, Paul in verses 12. I am not implying that I have already received resurrection. So everything that he means when he was saying that in those previous, um, previous, um, chap- previous verses, or that I have already become complete or mature. Many of you will have, put your hand up in your translation, that have perfection. Yeah, yeah. So a bit of a note on that. That's a really loaded term, and that is not what that's not talking about is being perfect. Um, that isn't. I, I kind of kept going back to it again because we can often think of, we can always get sort of off track in our faith journey that God is. We need to somehow get our stuff sorted out, you know, before we come to Him. And and if anything, the stories this morning is that is is just such a tragic lie. 
complete and total lie. Not that I'm giving these translators a hard time, but I think, <laughs> I, I think it's a really unfortunate choice of word. But it, you just have to do a tiny little bit of digging and realize that says more about us than it does about what actually Scripture is trying to say. That's a really big aside. So not that I've already already become complete or mature. Um, no, I am hurrying on, eager to overtake, because, the ki- because King Jesus has overtaken me. Verse 13, my, my dear family, I don't reckon that I have yet overtaken it, but this is my one aim, forgetting everything that is behind and to strain every nerve to go after what is ahead. I mean to chase on toward the finish post where the prize awaits, where the prize is waiting for me is the upward call of God to King Jesus or in King Jesus. Thinking like this, in fact, is what maturity is all about or perfection, if your if you're translation says that. Thinking like this, in fact, is what maturity is all about. If you think differently about it, God will reveal this to you as well. Only let's be sure to keep in line with the position that we have reached. So I want to just go briefly through, but, but also, again, I want to say again so much thank you to Craig for last week and for Colin the, the week before. And, and it is it's just kind of a one step after the other. They're online. If you haven't heard them, please make an effort to, to have a listen as well, but I just wanted to remind us again of, of this is a letter that Paul is writing um, to really a much loved church that he's planted and people that he really, really does have an incredible care and affection toward. And he's writing it to, to this church, which at the time was on the sort of the outposts of the Roman Empire in, a, in a, um, the town of, or city of Philippi. And yet, so he's writing it in one level to, to them, but in yet he's writing it to us in, in what is the outpost of the church in a little town called Maharangi. You know, we can, we can take hold of this letter and all that it has, and we can apply it to, to who we are into and, and this church family as well. And Paul makes a little bit of a shift in, in this particular um, verse of his analogies that he's using using this sort of sporting or athletic analogy which to again to that Roman culture was incredibly um, it just drew up lots of they could sort of imagine it you know like this sort of the the Roman athletics and and for us being a sporting mad um, country this is this is really really Paul's using a really um, effective way of communicating by pulling up that analogy and, and as I've said before in, in many of this series, that throughout this letter there are, and it's kind of a bit of a disjointed letter. Uh, I think Craig mentioned it last week. It almost is like this chapter 3 is the ending of the letter, and yet there's a whole nother chapter 4. And a lot of theologians reckon that, that this letter was written in a very um, sort of broken manner, that Paul was writing some, writing some notes, stopping. He happened to be in prison as well, so that probably makes for very difficult sort of concise use of your time, I imagine. Um, 
And yet throughout the letter, there are themes that go all the way through. And, and one in particular is joy. There's, there's also this idea of, of joy, but also like we've heard this morning, joy in the midst of difficult circumstances. This is someone who's writing his main, one of his main focuses is joy, who is in prison. You know, and so, so joy more than just kind of like a surface level happiness when, when all is going well. Throughout the letter, there's this invitation or reminder of partnership that we are, we are to partner with God. We are to partner with the work of, of the kingdom of God. We're to partner with one another. And then as has been really the last few weeks in, in this sort of area, really leaning into this theme that threads all the way through of the tension of Paul writing for us to be a people of holiness and a people of unity. And I've said it over and over again, to, to be one or the other is a lot easier than to hold the both in tension. Do you know what I mean? Like, like it's e well, is it easy? But it would be easier if we were just, if we were a group of people who just, holiness was all we were about. So you, you do, we, we act the same, we say the same, we think the same. Um, we have this really, really rigid um, way of this is how we live. If that's kind of, I'm kind of like overemphasizing um, what can be a really unhelpful view of holiness. But, you know, we are all aware of groups that are like that. The downside of that is, like these stories that were shared this morning, none of those people are eligible to be involved in the group. And let's be honest. Neither is the rest of us. We just weren't brave enough to get up and share our stories. And yet, what we do matters. How we live matters. So you, you can't break the tension in either way. And so Paul, is, and, yet, and yet we're called together. We're, we're instructed, we're commanded to live a life of unity together. That it is not okay to cut and run. And so this really, I think this morning's um, passage is very much like the father heart of Paul. Like Paul loves these people. It's like a dad who's wanting to share, you know, some some his wisdom in it all. I kind of chuckled because if you weren't here last week, um, Craig sort of shared the, uh, well, more lamented, I guess, the, the stage of parenting that he's in and talked about the messiness of literally messiness, you know, of, of the season that, that he and Tammy are in with, with nappies and, and that sort of thing. But that, and, I, and I kind of laughed to myself because that's the lament of a young father. And, and part of me was like, as an old father, um, Craig, I'm sorry the messiness carries on. <laughs> and it's so much more complicated. <laughs> and oh, oh, if you could just throw them in the shower and the mess be away. But, but like, oh my goodness. Like, and, and, 
all you old parents, like, re- like you know. I could see these knowing, weary faces. <laughs> um, and, and so Paul's writing, and yet, oh my goodness, the, the winds of old parents. Hey, when we see our kids and experience, and see them experience, see them wrestle out, it is so deeply joyful and, and satisfying as well. So it's not all hopelessness, mate. Um, and so almost like I imagine Paul writing, you know, being far away from his kind of his children, and yet that father heart of, of carrying on, of keeping going, this one aim. You know, and in so many ways, this this verse is or portion of scripture is an extension of right back at the very beginning of of Philippians, or yeah, Philippians, that's where we are, eh? Yeah, Philippians uh, 1, verse 6, of this I am convinced that the one who began a good work in you will thoroughly complete it by the day of King Jesus. You know, for all of us this morning, we're, let's be reminded of the stories we've heard, of, of let's be convinced, Paul as the father is convinced that the same God who started the good work, who called you, who grabbed hold of you wherever you were, wherever, whatever you were doing, that same God who was faithful enough to grab you, to grab your life, to, to take hold of you, is going to see you through to the very end. Exactly what Nikki's testimony was. Why else would we look at anyone else in any other way. I, I should totally get rid of all social media on my phone. It's so unhelpful for, for my mental health and well-being. But this, this week or a week or so ago, I, I looked online. And I do lots of, like, I'm the guy, like, if I was on, they should do a TV show of people you could see them, like I yell at my social media, you know, like you're just like, what a stupid, th- why are you doing, oh no, did you say, oh hell, you know, like I have all those sorts of things. And I, I noticed this last week, someone put something on, no one in the room, don't worry, um, <laughs> but someone put something on and they were, and they, part of their post included a quote from a, a church leader from about 150 years ago. And, and the whole point of this quote was, it was, an, it was um, 150 years ago, it was an indictment of, of the way, of the position of where the church was at that time. Well, sorry, could be in the future. And, and so, like, I should have just looked at it and, and left, think, whatever, okay. But, I, you know, I did the, the terrible thing of going in and looking at the comments. It's like, oh. You'd think, why do you not learn, Lyndon? Like, I, I lamented my own. Like, what are you doing? And the first, the first comment was, this person commented, and they're like, wow, so prophetic. You can hear my, like, sarcasm in the thing. And, and maybe that 150 years ago, hey, listen, maybe that person was really prophetic. But actually, if you know anything of church history, it actually isn't prophetic at all. It is just the cycle of, of church history. It is the cycle of a broken people trying to follow an impossible standard and going round and round and round and round. And, and there's this pattern. 
And I say all that to say is it is one of the many patterns that we wrestle with or that we find ourselves in a cycle of is this idea we, where we can overemphasize and we can do this individually but as churches or as movements, we can either overemphasize um, the, so, the whole idea of, of getting saved and we, or going to heaven when we die. And I'm not saying... That, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with those things. Those are great things. But, you know, like we, we've gone through cycles of, of getting saved being the focus or, or really overemphasizing that just, just holding on, going to heaven one day when we die. Hold on, don't, don't you know, sort of. And, and I love old hymns. And if you ever want to question sort of the idea of cycle, go back and, and listen to the words of some really old hymns, and they are really quite different than the songs we sing today. <laughs> I love them, but so many of them, and I kind of got cottoned on to a little bit, it's a bit of a, you know, sort of, oh, this is my confession, I kind of love a bit of country bluegrass kind of thing going on, you know? And, and this particular album that I found was a really great one. But, and, and, but so much of the words were about like, like hanging on to dear life until you can like shuffle off the mortar coil and finally go to heaven far off and leave this rotten, terrible, hopeless, worthless world behind. I'm over-exaggerating. But do you know, like there is, that is a really big cycle of belief. And yet it's so different than what, um, what we may seem today of that actually, actually no, God's kingdom is coming to, to breathe life into this world. You know, like, like I grew up even in, a, in, a, in a, an environment or a tradition that, like, why would you care about the environment? Because it's, who cares? Like, this world is to be used, and then one day we go off into another world, the world that really matters. You know, oh, come on, don't make me sound like the only one. I was a child, it wasn't my fault, you know, I was brought up in a... But, um, but, but there is something about, sorry, I'll get back onto my notes, but, but what Paul and what the scripture is talking about isn't actually, it's about the messiness, going back to Craig, it's about the messiness of in between of maybe those two cycles of getting saved and, and going to heaven, is this portion of scripture is all about the messy in between. And oh my goodness, does, is it ever messy, yeah. And it's this idea or practice of in the messy in-between, we are invited, we're commanded to, to work out, to, to work out the thinking of our heads and our hearts, but also work out the practices of this thing called maturity, of being complete, of if your, verse, if your Bible says it, of being perfect, which is just another way of saying being complete. It's this idea of God is in the business of, of partnering with us that for each and every one of us to know what it is to be fully human. And the beauty of that is, is God is in the, in the business of, of explore, or 
partnering with us as people, that he wants to create us to be people, not puppets. The end goal of of completeness is that we don't all sound the same, that we don't all look the same, that we don't all even, I think, outwork the same of what that looks like. God is in in the business of, I love that quote of what is the glory of God. It's man fully alive. It's often misquoted and who said it, but but I think it's very true. God's plan is that that you are, or we outwork. We run our race. We We go through the hard times. We embrace the hard practices to know what it is to be fully human as Matt, as Angela, as Cherry, as Ben, and everyone else in between. Oh man, I'm going. So, I'm going to skip a whole bunch of that. So, but really, what Paul is using in in all of this is sort of in in his words, is a a philosophical, you know, the philosophical question of what life is all about. We, it's been asked, again, if you see it online that like somehow it's, or on social media, that somehow that's a new question. It's not. You know, like ever since we've been us, we've asked, what is this all about? And in Paul's time, Aristotle was the philosopher of, this, of the time, of the season, and really in many ways still is. Um, well, at least the tradition still carries on. And Aristotle would say, that answer that question of what life is all about is about um, eudaimonia, Greek word. And it basically means, and I'm going to really butcher it, but kind of happiness, but not shallow happiness. Happiness as in a deep, settled contentment of what it is to discover what it is to be truly, to, sorry, to, to experience the true human experience. And, and that's where those words virtue come from, is those practices are working out the virtues of meeting or finding that goal. This very different, though, is what Aristotle's view is, is that was a, that is an individual sport, to use kind of the sporting analogy, that, that you were tasked with working through the virtues of your life to find out what it is to be fully human. I'm going to jump way ahead. The, the difference between Paul and ultimately Jesus in the tradition that carries on from them is still very much working out the virtues, but, but it is always a team sport. So with Jesus, it is always a team sport. You look around, you will not outwork what it is to be fully human in your context alone. And there is something about this crazy, annoying, hurtful, frustrating, beautiful thing called church that you will never experience anywhere else than here. Not just here, but in a group of people. And it's, it's a team sport. Let's get this video because Jenny's done an amazing job. I want to play this video. And if you question it, what are the virtues of Jesus' kingdom? Are we all ready to go with that? The virtues of Jesus' kingdom are love, patience, kindness, generosity. You know, those are easy things to do to yourself. I'm really gifted at being loving and generous to myself. Hey, but, but that's not what it's all about. 
And so if we turn the lights down and we have the volume on, remember this, remember a, a month ago when we all became sailing experts. Why would you show that, Lyndon? <laughs> I, I sent the link to Jenny to ask her to do it for me. And she's like, I think I've got the wrong, I think I've got the wrong clip. You know, which which one do you do you want? And I was thinking as I was reading through, there's just a few things that I wanted to to pull out, and really what what Paul is talking about. And the one I don't know if you caught it, um, Peter um, Burling saying so. What they, well, they were 12 meters or 10, 14 meters away, and 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 stopped. And and in the middle or in the middle of the stopping, if you have a listen, um, Peter Burling said this: "It's a long race, gentlemen. Men and women, we're in a long race. Like like seriously, we're in a long race." You know, and, and all of the incredible beauty and, and engineering marvel of those boats, the only thing that could make a difference are those men in that boat carrying on, striving forward with every nerve, with all of their energy, knowing that this race is not over. Man, we have a lot to learn from that as a church, that we can strive forward that no matter what, no matter how dead in the water we may feel or, or we find ourselves in, is that the invitation is still there, that we're in a long race, people. And, and all it would take, the, you know, like if half that boat decided this is over, we're it, we're done. You know, call the race, I don't even know anything about it. Call the other boats out and they'll pull us back. You know, like, like that would be it. But the only way they carried on, and we have the great idea being able to know in hindsight how the story ends. If only we knew how the story ended. 
But it took every single one of those guys in the moment to know that we're in a long race and we're going to keep going. We're going to, no matter what our situation and circumstance looks like, this race isn't over, as Paul said, until we cross that finish line. There's more to come. We have no idea what's going to happen. It'd be great to watch the whole thing over again. I remember watching that at the time and being like, oh no, it's happened all over again. America's Cup is one of those things I give not a millisecond of mental energy to boating or sailing or like, honestly, I don't care at all until every four years and then all of a sudden I'm swept up in it. And I remember that happening and having to leave the room, turn the TV off, it's over. Oh no, despair. It's going to be like that all over again where we lost every race in a row and, you know, and my world came crashing down. Um, thank God those people on that boat weren't like me. Do you know? And, and I wanted to make one more note, and then, then I'm done. Well, I thought I was going to have so much time left over. But in the background, you heard, and this is, for I think, for some people here. In the background, you heard the commentators. And, and I'm going to quote, big mistake. Oh, big mistake. Oh, big mistake. Do you know what? In life, you're going to have commentators, and often they're the commentators in your head. And this is what Paul is talking about, forgetting all that went behind, is you're going to have to tell your commentators to shut up sometimes, that forgetting everything that's happened, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've thought or what you've said, that, that you are still in this race and and to use the analogy, and this boat isn't going to go forward without you in it. You know, for some, we have to use the scripture to remind ourselves that to, to silence that commentator in our head. Why don't we stand? I feel like it's been a wonderful morning. Holy Spirit, I thank you so much for your presence, and, and I thank you for, for all that we've been able to pull out of Paul's wonderful fatherly advice, but all that we have been, not been able to say. God, I pray that you would bring us back to this scripture and, and this book over and over and over again, remind us of the goal. Remind us that we are in a long race and this race is not over until it's over. Remind us that we know how this story ends. God, remind us that we are, that we are in, a, um, in a team sport. That if one of us falls over, none of us go over the finish line. You know, that, that we, are, we are in this together. God, I pray for those of us who, who really may, may just almost be deafened by that inner voice, that inner critic, that inner commentator of reminding us of, of why, why not, of the why nots, of the how it's impossible, of the how it can't be. God, would you in your Holy Spirit remind us to, as Paul says, forget it, leave it behind, keep going forward, 
distancing ourselves so far from that voice that we no longer hear it. God, I pray and thank you that that each and every one of us have a place in this race. God, would you give us, where, where we're weak, would you give us strength to continue to strive forward? Not to earn, earn anything, but to, to run the race. To know that you've run the race before us and now run with us. Amen. Wonderful. Hey, I would, I think what Matt said before, there were so many people that would love to pray with you, for you um, this morning. And, and if there's anything that's 